Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Today I just bring a simple message. It says this gospel. This gospel. And I'm going to read from Romans 1 verse 16. Can we just play it on the screen? And this was Paul speaking. And he said... It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. There is a power of God that comes into every life. And Paul experienced that power. And that's why he said, I am not ashamed of this gospel because it possesses the power and it still possesses that power to save, to deliver, to set free. There's no other gospel. There are many gospels. There are many messages that have come before this gospel. And no other has that power to set free. No other has that power to deliver. And that's why he said, I am not, I can't be ashamed of this gospel because it is an awesome expression of God's power to mankind unto salvation. The gospel, this gospel is also referred to as the good news of the kingdom. And Luke verse eight verse one, Jesus went about declaring into every city the good news of the kingdom. Why is this gospel the good news of the kingdom? And why aren't we carrying it as though it's such a good news? Do we really understand? Do we really grasp what Paul them experienced? Have we experienced that encounter, that power of God? Have we experienced it? Why is the church not carrying it? Jesus went about into every city preaching. There's some there's other translation says, and preaching the good news of the kingdom. What is this good news? The good news is that God has expressed his goodness to mankind. God has expressed his power and his glory to mankind through Jesus Christ. In that mankind now has salvation, which has never happened before. Mankind now has redemption. And mankind now has restoration. And that is amazing if we've experienced it. That is something we must rejoice every single day. What Christ did for us. That is something we must carry. That is something we must wear. Because we have something. We have something so powerful. We have a treasure that the world cannot have. We have it through Christ. And just the fact that Jesus brought it so simple does not nullify the effect of it. The simplicity of it is just believe, have faith. Say salvation comes by you believing in your heart and confessing. It doesn't nullify the effect that something takes place the minute 
You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. There's a power that is transmitted from God into man, into your spirit. And you become a son and a daughter of God. It is too amazing. It is too wonderful. And I don't know, perhaps the church has forgotten this greatness of what Christ did. Because we do not carry it. We do not wear it. We do not tell the world that we have this good news. We do not shout it that we have this treasure. We have what the world needs. We have the power that can change lives. We have the power that can set men free. We carry it. So why aren't we rejoicing? Why? Can't we see? Don't we grasp what Christ did? And that is good news. And that's why Jesus went about declaring. He said he went about into every city declaring this good news. Before this passage, he said, I must declare the good news of the kingdom because that is why I was sent. It is good news. It is good news. And Paul experienced, and sometimes I say maybe because Paul had radical encounters, I don't know. But like I said, not every one of us has radical encounters like Jesus, but that does not nullify what took place the minute you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That does not nullify the power that came into you. It doesn't dilute it in any way. And this awesomeness is that God wants everyone to be a partaker of this awesomeness of the graciousness of God. God wants everybody to share in this goodness, that which you have received. God wants every mankind to experience it. That's why Jesus went about declaring it, because he wants every mankind to experience this revelation through Jesus Christ of what Christ did for us. And in the same light, Paul having experienced, Paul had such a burden. He had such a burden for souls. He had such a burden for his brethren. Romans 10 verse 1, he says that his desire is that his brethren are saved. Why? Because he wants them to experience this goodness of God. He wants them to experience this power of God. He wants them to come into that understanding and into that knowledge of what Christ has done. He says, brethren, my heart desire and my prayer is that Israel may be saved. He had such a burden. Even in verse Romans 9, before the scripture, he talked about saying that he wishes that him himself would even, just for Israel to be saved, he carried such a burden, radical burden, for, the, for souls, for redemption. And so maybe we have forgotten what Christ did. And I'm here to remind you what you have and what you carry if you believe. I'm here to remind you about this gospel, the good news of this gospel and the treasure that we have and what Christ did with salvation for us. We look at the Justice Project. I celebrate what they do because they carry such a redemption nature of God into the prisons. And they look at cases of innocent people who are standing and who just don't have legal representatives and all of that. But you know what Christ did? 
Our case was totally different. It was not even innocent people. We were guilty. We were all guilty. The Bible says every one of us falling short of the glory of God. And so the penalty for that guilt was death because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And Christ, and so we were all charged as guilty, literally, we were all in the prison. And Christ brings, and they bring us to the court case. And what did Christ do? He came and he set all of us free. As many who believe and put their faith in Jesus Christ. He set you free from every guilt, from every charge that has been laid against you. Christ set you free. He acquitted all of us. And he stepped it up further. He not only acquitted you, he gives you what? A new identity. There's something that the prisons do, even when they release prisoners. Many of them cannot even get jobs because there's still that identity of ex-convict in them. And so they hide into jobs that are not, because it's in, in their system. But what Christ did was so amazing that not only did he acquit us, he gave us a new name such that he blotted out every transgression. Every single transgression, he blotted it out. He deleted it from the system. Deleted, like it never happened. That is amazing. That is amazing. That is so wonderful what Christ did. That is so amazing. Deleted. And aside giving us a new identity, he put his righteousness in us. In that when Christ sees you, oh my God, he doesn't even remember. He sees you. What did he say? He says he calls you a saint of God. That is who you are, a saint of God. And that's why we must reject every lie of the enemy that tells you otherwise. We must reject every hindrance of guilt and condemnation that the enemy comes to you because God doesn't even remember. That's not even all. He stepped it up again. You know, when you do this prison work or whatever, there's even a limit to what man can do. There's a limit. You go and acquit a prisoner. You've done your bit. The prisoner goes and commits the, another crime. At some point, you just say, man, you're, you're on your own. It has even happened to me. <laughs> I thought the person I've tried. Even if it's your family member, there's a limit you can even go, one, two, three times. But God made provision for past, present, future. That is God's grace. There's no limit to his grace. That is the awesomeness, the magnitude of the graciousness of God. That is redemption. It was complete, it was thorough. Do we know what we have? Do we know what we carry? This grace of God, 
Oh my God, this power of God, this redemption of God. It is so awesome. It is so mind-blowing what Christ did. And that's what I've come to remind you that you must wear it. You must carry it. Because it is good news. It is what the world needs. It is what the world is looking for. But it's also a warfare. Redemption, it's warfare. That's also what we must understand. Many years ago, I shared the story. The Lord gave me, I was praying for a family member. And I kept praying for months, months after months. And I was praying, God had mercy on this person. And the more I prayed, it was as though things got worse with this person. The actions of this person was totally different. And so one day I got tired and I said, you know what, Lord, you created this person. Me, I'm tired. I've been praying, praying, praying. No changes, nothing. So you know how to fix it. And the Lord opened my eyes that minute and he said to me, do you really think any human being will see chains and say, I have an opportunity to be set free and say, no, I want to be in chains. Do you really think anybody would see darkness and you're put in a dungeon and say, yes, that's where I want to be, when there's freedom, where there's light? And then the Lord gave me a scripture in 2 Corinthians when he said, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who perish, that they cannot see the glorious gospel of the lost, of, of God, of God. They can't see. And at that minute, my prayer point changed. I began to understand that this is warfare. And I began to pray that scripture. And I began to say to, to God, and I began to pray, and I said, Satan, I began to rebuke the enemy. And I said, Satan, concerning this person, you would not have this person. You would not have this soul. And I began to rebuke, like open the eyes of this person from every deception and every lie. In seven days, seven days, I've been praying for months. This person called another family member, asking, begging for prayers, wanted to come to God. Why? Within that space, the person said in three days, consequently she had, consequently she had snakes chasing her, chasing her, chasing her, snakes chasing her, chasing her. And so she ran in fear. She, she came to God. That's the power of God. And that makes you understand that it is warfare. Redemption, it's warfare. And why is it warfare? It is warfare because we have an adversary, the devil. The devil did not have a chance at redemption, hope you know. And this same man that was guilty, yet God made a way for, for us. God made a way for redemption. He didn't have. And hope you realize that the devil is not fighting God. The devil is not even God's act. God, he can't, he, God created the devil. In warfare, God created the devil. So the devil, God understands, I mean, the devil knows that God is his boss. However, when you look at polygamy sometimes, when we understand the dynamics of polygamies, and we see a man perhaps married, the wife who was the beloved, has children, and goes, marries another wife, has children, and you begin to see the animosity play out to the point that even when 
the man dies. You see the children perhaps fight themselves. And I've seen cases where maybe some knows the contents of the will, decides to hide that will, hide that will from the other party. And that's similar, or even much more what the devil does. He understands redemption and what Christ has done. And so as much as possible, he does not want redemption for mankind because he did not have a chance for redemption. And so he goes and hides the will. That's why he says the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who are lost. He goes and hides that will that you cannot see it. You cannot come to light. And that's why I said it's warfare. The devil is so mad. And I'm not here to lift him up because he's defeated. Another thing he does is when he knows that he's lost that battle of redemption and someone comes, and another strategy he does is, you know where maybe there's the wheel and the wheel is the house. He says that house, you will not enjoy it. You will not enjoy it. And that's what he does to many believers who have even come to the truth. What the devil keeps you under is lack of revelation. He says you will not enjoy all what the Father has done, the benefits of salvation. It is so great. It is, there's so much benefits of salvation. And so the devil will say, no, you will not enjoy. So the devil is not so afraid of our prayers as a Christian. But you see what the devil fears? When you have revelation. That's why the Bible says, I will build my church upon this revelation. When the church has revelation, he knows that he has nothing. Because he's been defeated. The Bible says that in 2 Colossians 5 verse 8, that Christ disarmed, <laughs> that Christ disarmed the enemy. He disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public disgrace of them. And he took away every power, the little power the enemy had to do shakarai on earth. He took it away. And that's why the Bible says, every power and every authority now has been given unto me. And that's what, that's what the cross did for us. And so the enemy does not want you to know that, does not want you to see him in his nakedness of what he is, defeated. He does not want you to see that light and revelation. And Jesus said, this gospel in Matthew, this gospel shall be preached. This gospel shall be preached. This it was a specific gospel. What is this gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom is that there is a kingdom <laughs> and God wants to reign upon earth. God wants to reign in every life. God wants to establish his dominion. God wants to establish his power. God wants to establish his rulership in every heart, in every life. That is the gospel of the kingdom. The king, every kingdom has a king. The king of that, God, of that kingdom is Jesus. And so Jesus wants to take 
ownership and authority of every life. And that's why it says, this gospel shall be preached. And so we must carry this. We must carry this. We must carry a burden. A burden for souls. First, because of what Christ has done and what we share. Because of the glorious inheritance. Oh my God, Paul talks about it. He says, may your eyes, what Paul prays for the church, is that may your eyes be opened to see what Christ has done. In Ephesians, may your eyes, may the church of the eye of, may the eyes of the church be opened to see your, the glorious, the hope of his calling, the glorious inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus, the benefits, the benefits we have that we've been changed from darkness to light, from death to reign in life, internal life. We move from judgment to be called the child of God. We get to experience God in a whole new way as a father, as a friend. It's amazing. We have the advantage. And never should the church, never should the church, should the church envy the world. Never should Christianity be such a mockery because we have the power. We have the victory. Never should the church. Do you know what you carry? Romans 10 verse 11 or so or 10. He says, when Paul was speaking about his brethren, he says, anyone who puts his hope in Jesus Christ shall not be put to shame. Do you know that you have been sorted in this life and you have been sorted in the life to come? God has sorted you out. God has sorted you out. You get to spend eternity, even if you die. And that's why, even for the believer, the death of a believer, it's not such a grievous mourning. Because you get to be present with God for eternity. But the unbeliever does not have that chance. And we must take this seriously. Aside the fact that we need to share because we're experiencing something good and great. We have this treasure but it's also important that we know that there's an urgency to this. Because if an unbeliever dies today, he does not have an opportunity anymore. He comes into internal damnation. He's internally cut off from God. Oh my God. And that's the burden Paul carried for the lost. That's the burden God carried for souls. And we must carry that burden And you may ask me, how? First, you pray for God to give you the burden. But aside that, second, let's read the scripture together. Second Corinthians 5, 16 to 19. Let's read it together. This was an appeal to God. I mean, appeal by God to us. Second Corinthians 5, 16, verse 19. Just put out the scripture. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet not now we know him thus no longer. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ when he was in the world, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And now he has committed us to the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. There's a plead by God that we should go out there and declare this good news. We should go out there and urge the world that we carry something. The world needs to experience this awesomeness of God's power and God's grace. It is so amazing. And so how can we do it? It's a partnership. It's a partnership. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. It's a partnership with him. We talk about Nigeria. <laughs> we pray for mercy and all of that. But Nigeria is made up of people. The bandits, the kidnappers, they're people. And it's only the power of God that can change that heart. <laughs> it's only the power of God that can change them. It's only the power of God that can change them. And that's how revival is. What is revival? A revival is the turning away of wickedness, of men from wickedness back to God. That is revival. It's a hunger for God. And so the church has a part to play in this ministry of reconciliation. We must stand in the gap. We must intercede for souls. We must carry that redemption nature of God. We must pray earnestly, each one of us. We can take a city. You can take Ibadan. You can take Lagos. You can take Cross River. Like John, John Knox, he prayed earnestly for Scotland. He says, give me Scotland or I die. He was such an intercessor. And if each one of us take this one land and begin to intercede God, we want to see your revival. We want to see your power. We want to see men transformed. We want to see lives changed. How powerful that is. Do we know how powerful that is? That is the revival we're talking about in this nation. That is the new Nigeria. Then men begin to cry out in the streets, begin to hunger for God, begin to turn away from their wickedness, back to righteousness. It is possible. It is possible. There is, Pastor Mo has shared the story before. Two old women in an island, Christine and Peggy Smith, 84 and 82 years old. One was blind and one was crippled. And they couldn't attend church services. They were in their home. But they hungered and they prayed day and night for revival for their land, for their city. 
That was their prayer point. They wanted to see their strong men who were given to drunkenness changed. And they cried unto God for months, years for this. And one of those experiences when they were praying, the Lord gave them a word. He gave them a scripture and he says, I will pour water on testy lands. And he says, I will pour my flood on dry ground. And they took that scripture and they said, wow, revival is coming. The Lord has heard us. That was a confirmation of many months they had prayed. And they began, they didn't stop there because you hear a word. They began to call other partners in. They went to, all, I mean, they called other elders to come and begin to tarry on that word to come to pass. And they opened up their house and they turned their house into a prayer, prayer meeting. And daily people will come in and go praying that scripture. God, you will pour water on tasty, tasty, tasty lands. You will pour streams on dry ground. And in one of those days when they were praying, God gave them another scripture, which was who can ascend into the hill. And it says those with pure heart and a clean hand. And then they began to lay before God and offer themselves up as a vessel. And they says, God, we ascend into your hill today. We have clean hands. We have pure hearts. We surrender to you. We yield ourselves as a vessel for your revival to take place in our land. And then the power of God hit like earthquake. That was the first time they experienced such power by praying that scripture. And then they knew it was done. Revival would come in sooner than they expected. And after then they went and they got a preacher who came. The preacher, after much convincing, the preacher came into their city. And they had a good enough meeting. But you know those women, oh my God, they were not satisfied. Because they knew what they had. They had specifically floods. What does floods require? Men, women, floods will come. So they were not satisfied that, well, a couple of people came in. Yes, it was a good meeting. And even the preacher himself remembered what this, those women told him when they were inviting him. They said, this is what the Lord said. And they began, it was supposed to be a two, three days meeting. And they began to cry back to the God. Say, no, Lord, you promised us floods. You promised us floods. Oh, my God. And after that, man, the revival hit their land. The revival hit their city. Men from nowhere began to run to church on the streets. There was a revival that broke forth on the lands, everybody. And that's how they call it the revival. It's an island, the revival of this thing. Yes. Thank you. It's amazing. It's amazing. So it's possible. Revival can happen in our nation, but we have a part to play. We have to intercede for it. We have to stand in the gap for it. Not just once in a month, but we consistently pray that hearts are changed, hearts are transformed, that men turn from darkness to light. We must stand in that gap. And we pray that the Lord gives you a burden, just like Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the, power of, of the gospel because it is the power of God. How should I be ashamed of it? Oh my God, why? Why should I be ashamed of it? When I have power that the world needs, I should be ashamed of it. My goodness, if you've experienced the power of God, 
if you've experienced the power of God, I know many of us have experienced it in various ways. Many years ago, not many years ago, I just finished my master's and that experience changed me. I've shared this story before. And then I came back from the UK very disappointed because I was a church girl and everything then. And so I was praying when I was studying for some things to happen. And it didn't go as planned. And so I got to back to Nigeria and said I was taking a break. Taking a break from God. And so anything church, count me out. Anything, whatever, count me out. I decided to say, now I'm going to be friends with the world. That's what I said to myself. Because I felt like maybe I'd lost out. And so I got in. I was doing well. Like I just got a new job because um, a consultancy role somewhere. In, in, we're working for the government at the time. And so I was like, I would attack this. You know, I would attack my career. Because I had put, before I went to do my master's, I had actually put my career on hold. I resigned from my job. And I came to work in the church office for like a year. I took a break. And so then I'm like, okay, I'm going to attack this career thing. And I want to be the best. I want to be everything. And so I began, and I was excelling. And so I got, we got a gig to organize something very big and grand. We invited speakers by the government. It was such a forum and everything. And obviously, I, I wanted it to do very well. I had crossed all my A's and T's and whatever. The night before that event, I woke up. This is me. For like, I got back from the UK like January, very disappointed. February, March, April, this thing happened in about, I think April, for four months I'd, I'd just been like, whatever. I'm living life in my own terms now. And then the night before the event, oh my God, that's the grace of God. I was sleeping and I woke up at about 1.30. I didn't know why I could not sleep. I didn't understand it. And then the Holy Spirit began to entreat me even when I had turned my back, began to speak to me, says, ah, you know that um, sometimes you can plan, do this event, rain can fall, nobody will come. So somehow, even in your shakara and your anger, you need God. You need to pray. You need to talk to God about this event. Hmm. And being a Christian, of course, I understand that. I've experienced the power of God that, I mean, there's more, so much I can do, even if I'm, as much as I plan, I still needed God. And so he used that event to entreat me to come back to prayer, because I stopped praying for three months. And then I stood up and I said, okay, I was just gonna pray, but first I will confess all my wicked ways to God, then pray for the event. And so then I remember I had this wall where I normally would stand and pray. That's how I pray most times. It was by the window. And so I went to that window and I stood there. And all I said, all I said, I kid you not, was in the name of Jesus. Just to begin to pray. I had the mention of that name. The Holy Spirit took over. So he needs your partnership. He took over. I don't know from nowhere, I just started speaking in tongues. I was praying for God for one hour non-stop. It was a groaning in my spirit I did not understand. And I kept praying. 
It's just tired. It was after one hour, 15 minutes, the interpretation came. And all I was saying in the spirit was, no weapon formed against me and my family shall prosper. No weapon formed against me and my family. I did not know why I was praying that. And then I prayed until I had the release. And then I had the release and I went back to bed and I looked at the time. I woke up at 1.30. I looked at the time. It was 3 a.m. And I said, oh gosh, I have two hours to sleep. I didn't even remember that I needed to pray for an event. I had two hours to sleep because I wanted to be at the venue at 5 a.m. And then as I laid on my bed and I took my duvet, I saw three men in my bedroom wearing black. And so I was thinking I was in a trance and I thought they were angels. But I was saying to myself, ah, oh, angels, do they wear black? You know, we have all these stories of angels. Will they wear black? Will they wear black? I was just in this trance. Are they wearing black? I didn't know what was going on. And then I saw one of them working towards my bed. And he walked towards my bed. And then I stood up. I realized these are no angels. This is a man working towards my bed. And then this man gives me a dirty slap. Bah! I became deaf, like literally deaf in that ear. And he dragged me down. And then I realized that these guys were probably waiting for me to finish praying because they heard me pray. They were standing at the door I didn't even know. And the guy slapped me and dragged me. And, but when he slapped me, because of the pain, I shouted, Jesus, with a loud voice. And as I shouted, Jesus, my folks came out because I was, when I moved back, I moved to my folks' house. They came out. And then everybody says, the brother, they're gone. Pew. Sit down, everybody, they rounded up and, and brought them. And now, then, you know the interesting thing about everything? If you know me, I'm Mrs. Paranoia. Like, dramatic. I can't even see a chicken die. I'm start shouting, yeah, don't kill a chicken from me. To see the fact of how calm. I, I, there was like, it was like there was another person in that room. And that's the presence of God. I was so calm. I didn't even feel nothing. And then we all sat down on the floor. And something interesting happened. My dad, for whatever reason, stood up. He's, he would tell us the story later that he had a voice say, get up. That's the whole, oh God, we don't know what we have and what we carry. And the Holy Spirit told him, get up. And he stood up. And as he stood up, they said, where are you going to? The brother had a gun and the shot, bam, at the ceiling. He, started, he was just walking. The Holy Spirit told him to move. And they shot directly at him, boom. The bullet just passed, bruised him at the shoulder. He didn't go, he just, the bullet didn't enter. He just moved and he went out. And I would ask him later, why did you do it? He said, I don't know, but I just heard the voice, get up, move. And he moved and he goes outside. And he tells me, the, he, would tell, he would tell us the story later of what happened to him outside. And so that same man that slapped me told me when my dad left, stand up. And says, stand up. He took me to the bathroom. He says, begin to pull. And he brought out a gun in front of me. He was going to rip me. And then another one comes in, which seems to be the leader of the gang. And he comes and he says, what are you doing with her? Leave her alone. Do you want to rape her in front of her mom? I say, oh, okay. That one now says, follow me. And I start going. And he, I, follow, he, I followed him downstairs. And I followed him downstairs. And he begins to say, hey... The person was going to rape you in front of your mom and all that, but I, I, I want to, like, maybe wants to give me a decent raping. I don't know. <laughs> and I was looking at him, and I was standing, I was looking at him. I didn't even, I was like, what, what are you talking about? He was like, pull your dress. And I was just looking at him. And he brought, I was not even afraid. And he, I don't know where the boldness came from. I don't even know what happened that day. 
but it was the power of God, I tell you. And they brought out a gun. I said, I'm talking to you, pull. I said, okay, I'll pull. Come down. And I started pulling. And he says, lie down. And I lay down. And he, and he was going to lie down. My goodness, the power of God hit him. I don't know what happened, but this guy fell. He could not. And I stood up. And I walked away. Untouched. Will you tell me, how can I be ashamed of the power of God? How is that possible? I walked away untouched. He did not touch me. He could not. I saw him holding his head. And I ran into the visitor's room. And normally it's supposed to be locked. I just ran into it and locked the door. And then I would hear... OJ, OJ, he has my gun. OJ, OJ. I remember very because I was down. Our house was upset. And this was now my dad telling us the story afterwards because when he said OJ, OJ, all of them rushed out. And then by the time they rushed out, we were hearing sirens and everything. My dad said that when he went out, that the voice just told him to go out. When he went out, he now saw we had dogs, precious. And snowy. I named them Precious. I named the dog Precious. Precious! Precious was just looking. Snowy! None of them were backing. But that said, he was wondering what's going on. He went to the security house. The security guy had climbed the ceiling. He says, Uwem! Uwem jumps down. <laughs> Uwem jumps down. And then apparently there was another person who was like a watch guard there. And the watch guard comes in with a matchet. And he says, Mr. And he, my dad said, looked at him and held his hand with the matchet. And the guy brought out the gun. My dad held it. And the guy said, I will kill you. No, before he brought out the gun, he brought out the matchet and he said, I will kill you. And my pop said, you cannot kill me. You have no power to kill me. He declared it. With bo- he, does not, he does not even understand how the boldness comes because sometimes we, we behave alike, me and he. We see rat, we run, hey, you know. But the boldness came and says, you do not have the power to take my life. And he holds him with the machete. And the guy brings out the gun and he holds him with the gun. His two hands, he wrestled the guy down. How does a 60-year-old man... At the time, he was 65, wrestle a 20-something-year-old guy to the ground with a gun and a matchet. It's the power of God. Nothing, nothing else but the power of God. And the person starts screaming, OJ, OJ, he was the one begging for his life. He has my gun, he has my gun. And they all rush out. They could, and they looked at him. Them too, they were stunned. What had transpired in that house was too much for them. They were looking. They looked. At that minute, they could have took, him, took the gun to kill him because, I mean, this was their colleague, someone. They just looked at him and said, we cannot kill you, sir. We cannot kill you, sir. And just then the siren starts coming and they all just rush out. We have an advantage. <laughs> we have an advantage. Are we talking about the benefits? Is it the presence of God we have? Is it the small, still voice? That the Holy Spirit will tell you, do this, the revelation. Pastor Uche talked about her business, but the Holy Spirit told her yesterday, I mean, about something that was coming. It's God that spoke to her. Says, go. They were going to bulldoze her business. And she heard the voice. So 
we have the benefit. We have the advantage. So how dare we not wear it? How dare we not carry it? How dare we not carry it? And that experience changed me because I experienced the power of God. And I'm a witness to that power of God. And I was in America in 2020. I went to see my friends. I was celebrating my birthday in America. And a couple of them came from, we went to school way back. And they all talking and talking. After I finished talking, and some of them were talking about how they are now atheists. Blah, 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 blah. And they said that they're so pained with the church. All the church does in Nigeria is collect money, da, 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 da. And I got up and I said, I'm sorry that you had this experience, but you cannot tell me that the power of God is not real. This is what I experienced. I have experienced the power of God. I'm a witness to the power of God. I am not ashamed of it. It is real. I'm sorry you had those experiences with the church, but the power of God is real. It still saves. It still delivers. It still transforms. And they all shut up. And they looked at me. Do you know what you carry if you believe? Do you know what you have? Do you wear it? Do you carry it? Are you a witness? Are you a witness to the power of God? Just like Paul, he says, I am not ashamed. I cannot be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. It still heals, it still delivers. It still sets free. It is the power of God. Let's rise up. I've come to remind you of what you carry. I've come to remind you that the world needs it. The world needs you to wear it. The world needs you to carry it. The world needs you to be a witness. The world needs you. God needs you to stand in the gap. I want you to ask God to give you a burden, a burden for the souls, for lost. Ask God to give you a burden. You can start with your family members. Begin to stand in the gap that for as long as you leave, everyone in your family, extended or non-extended, will come to know Christ. You will stand in the gap. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 